Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hey everybody, before we start this show, I just wanted to let y'all know that we have a new, really amazing Facebook group going. So if you look for Wedding Film Academy Facebook group, you'll find the page and you'll have to just answer two simple questions to make sure that you're going to send out good vibes to everybody in the group before we let you in. But hop on over there and join that group. Also, if you have other friends in the industry, go ahead and add them to the group as well. We're really trying to build something that's centered around the idea of encouragement and, and building one another up. Uh, as well as giving others a, a leg up when they need it. And so one of the things that we're doing is we're going to do pretty close to a weekly film critique. So if you hop on over to our website, weddingfilmacademy.org, you can actually enter in to potentially have your film live critiqued by us on the Facebook group. And it's been a really awesome experience so far. We've done two of them so far, and we have... Uh, several, several dozen have been submitted, so uh, we can't get to everybody's right away because we're only, only going to do one week and we're having a ton of submissions, but we would love for you to submit one of your films over at WeddingFilmAcademy.org and then definitely make sure you join the Facebook group so that you can know when your film is going to be judged live. So hop on over to that Facebook group and we will see you there. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy podcast. This is an episode that has been a long time in the making. I have with me today Dave Williams from Cinema Cake in Philadelphia. And Dave and I have discovered that we are we are we are somehow connected at the soul level. Dave is a former Texan, um, although you won't hear it in his voice. Um, he is I'm not actually a former Texan. Oh, you lied to me. I never actually lived there. Yeah, no. lied. I'm half Texan on my father's side. I didn't okay. actually live there. Does that still make me part Texan? Um, Do I get a little you credit? You can get for that? like you said half. You don't get half credit, but you know you can get like uh, maybe I'll give you like a tenth credit. All right, yeah. that works. So, so you definitely, definitely won't hear it in his voice then, since he only gets a tenth credit. As a Texan, <laughs> but uh, Dave is um, is the owner of a very unique uh, production company in in this industry, in the wedding and commercial industry. I think for uh, probably the vast majority of the companies that are out there, most of our listeners, this is the case: is that you are out there on an island. Maybe you're there with with a friend or with a um, a romantic partner with a spouse uh, doing this together. But most of you probably in a lot of ways are, are out there on an island doing this on your own. And so I am super t excited to talk to Dave because Dave gives us a really unique perspective as someone who has gone after a lot of the high-end work, uh, but together with a team. And so Dave, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Absolutely. Dave, I would love to know, because you've been in this industry for a long time, so I'd love to know just kind of the beginning uh, the beginning parts of your journey. How'd you get started? So um, 16 years ago, I was working for a pharmaceutical company, and <clears throat> it became known uh, in our group that I was kind of the, um, you know, the video geek. So anytime a PowerPoint presentation uh, needed a little tweaking or a little fun um, team building video had to be made. You know, they kind of called on me, and you know, it's it had always been um, a passion of mine since I was a kid. You know, I started with a Super 8 millimeter camera, and then my uh, stepfather, in the um, early 80s, uh, got his uh, first camcorder. You know, so I was the family documentarian. I was the guy with the cam with the camera up here with the cord running down to the tape deck <laughs> on my hip and skiing down the mountain. Nice. So I was always um, interested in um, film and video. And at the time when I was working for this pharma company, one of the reps, she asked me if I had ever shot a wedding. And I said, well, you know, just for, 
friends, but nothing uh, professionally. And she said uh, she would like to hire me to shoot uh, her wedding. And um, I charged her $800. And I spent the next two weeks and $7,500 to get all the gear I needed to shoot this $800 <laughs> wedding. And of course, you know, my wife thought I was out of my mind. Um, I did it with a buddy of mine, Steve. Uh, Steve and I uh, shot our first wedding together with uh, PD-100s. And um, I actually had a, uh, on the first wedding, I, I, I thought it'd be cool to have some movement. So I investigated and found out that I should actually buy a glide cam. I bought my first steady cam shortly after that because I was in love with, um, you know, the motion of the camera. Uh, so in 2001, we shot this first wedding and I took that VHS tape. A buddy of mine invited me to a local videographers group, the uh, Greater Philadelphia Videographers Association, gpva.com. And I went to my first meeting and I took this uh, VHS tape and they were doing kind of like a um, meet the new members kind of a thing and a little, uh, you know, show us, show us your video. So I popped that VHS in and showed a little bit of it and uh, it got a lot of oohs and ahs and it just really got me excited because now here I was in front of guys who actually do this for a living and they're telling me it's good. So that I think is really what just energized me in the very beginning. That's awesome. So over the next two years, I would take that VHS tape and I'd dress up in a suit and find potential clients and I'd go out with a briefcase and I'd have that VHS tape in my briefcase. I looked like a, a salesman walking up to the house. So I'd go to people's homes hoping they had a VHS deck <clears throat> and I'd play, oh, well, you know, I'd do a little sales call and I'd talk about their day and, you know, remembering by then I had one bar mitzvah, one bat mitzvah and one bar mitzvah on VHS. So I had two VHS tapes in this briefcase and we'd talk about what what they had planned. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to show you one thing. I think this will, <laughs> this will, this will give you a good idea of how we do weddings. I'm going to show you this one, one wedding. And I only had one, so that's all I had. So for a few sales calls, that's what I used. And we ended up booking and um, over the next two years. And finally, I looked at the books and looked at Cheryl and I said, I think we can do this full time. I think, uh, I've got something going here. You know, imagine if I didn't have this pesky pharmaceutical sales job standing in my way, imagine what yeah. I could do if during the day I could focus on marketing and shooting and editing. So that's how it all got started. That's awesome. I love that story. The Dave, the door-to-door -door salesman with his VHS. It was ridiculous. I, yeah, in the beginning, I didn't even know how to market. So I thought weddings, right? So everybody goes to a church for weddings. So I made up flyers and I started visiting churches. Yeah. How did that work out for you? <laughs> Dropping off. It didn't yeah. work out at all. <laughs> you know? So, uh, but it was funny when I think back, um, 2001. So this is our Sweet 16. We're actually thinking of doing some sort of a Sweet 16 uh, birthday party for Cinema Cake yes. this year. You should do it. I want an invite to that, by the way. Oh, Sweet. you're invited. Awesome. So, so you have come a long way since the door-to-door -door salesman with the VHS tapes. <laughs> um, talk to me like you made that full-time jump. What was that like, and and how did you how did you make that transition? Because that's a question so many people have. Because a ton of our listeners are in that spot that you were in when you're kind of analyzing your numbers and looking at, hey, what could I do if I didn't have this this pesky day job? So what was that transition like for you from, uh, you know, part-time uh, wedding filmmaker to full-time? It was scary, uh, but exciting at the same time, because I knew I would, I knew we would just make it work because um, I knew I wanted to do it more than anything. And um, it was just a drive, I think, Steve and I had. And at the time, our spouses would call this uh, our fake job. So the fake job turned into a real job after two years once we started to look at what was booked. And honestly, it got to the point where it wasn't fair to the company I was working for because I would be sitting with my um, 
you know, Janssen Pharmaceutica laptop in Jefferson Hospital in the cafeteria. And, you know, half the day I'd be contacting, you know, making appointments to meet with my doctors. And the other half of the day I'd spent talking to brides. So it got to the point where either I'm going to do this full time or I'm going to have to do it full time because I'll probably get fired because I'm not spending enough time on my uh, full time job. So, yeah, it was a scary jump. But again, we were, you know, I look at what, you know, we did just um, part time. And I kept saying, imagine if I could spend the day on this, you know, imagine. So um, it it was a very scary jump at that time. Uh, Cheryl was stay at home with the kids. And uh, it meant this, you know, being our full income going into this full time. And then, uh, of course, Cheryl has a lot of business skills. She was with uh, Enterprise Rent-A-Car as a loss control manager for over 15 years. So she knew the business side of things. I had an inkling of what had to be done, but I knew that, that, you know, once she had enough interest and she saw that I was passionate about it and that she could help out, we became a a partner team. And then, um, we, we took it from there, but it was definitely, you know, we had some money saved and I knew, I knew maybe in the first couple of years, we, we looked a lot into how businesses fail early on. And we just knew we had a little bit of a buffer that we could uh, take a hit as we marketed and, and built this business. But, you know, I saw the potential just in the Philadelphia area and it excited me. And mostly I saw that um, most of the videos that were out were kind of long and boring and it's just the way it was. I mean, our, our wedding video, <clears throat> which is uh, coming up on 25 years old now, was 90 minutes. And in its day, it was wonderful. It's just how wedding videos were done. Um, but I, I knew, I just knew I could do it better. And, um, you know, it was a lot of learning, a lot of trial and error, and a lot of meeting with uh, guys who were doing this and following, trying to follow. Remember, it wasn't, it wasn't Facebook. There wasn't all the things yeah. we have now. You couldn't just go out and look for things. So um, it, it, it took a while to figure out that, uh, you know, like I said, two years. That was the big motivating factor is that once we had enough jobs booked and we looked at the numbers and I basically said, imagine if this job didn't get in the way. So it was a tough decision. It was scary, but obviously I'm, I'm glad yeah. we did it. So along with that question is a lot of people have, have the question of what did you do sort of like numbers wise? Did you feel like you had to get to a certain number of clients booked or, um, or, you know, income that you knew was coming in that was going to supplement what you were doing. You talked a little bit about a safety net that you had saved up. Talk to me through just a little bit of that piece. You don't get, have to get too specific, but I'm just curious in terms of like what your thought process was during that time. Well, uh, you know, we had young kids, uh, we had a mortgage, um, but we did have some saved up and Cheryl saw the, the passion I had for this and how excited I was about it. And bless her heart, she she let me do it. <laughs> <laughs> so there was no finance, very little financial thought in yeah. the beginning. All I knew is the more weddings I booked, the more yeah. we could make. And um, uh, in the beginning, it was just uh, me and my buddy, Steve, my best friend, Steve. So I was doing all of the editing. He would help me shoot. Uh, but what had happened very quickly is the backlog. And, you know, you hear this a million times, you know, everybody starts out gung ho, they start shooting, shooting, shooting. And it got to the point after, um, maybe the third or fourth year that, um, my backlog was 40 jobs, 40. And I didn't, I thought, wow, we're going to be out of business in our fourth year before we even get started because how am I ever going to catch up? So I think that was the big turning point. Um, in the beginning, we were called DVDography. It was a different name and uh, we didn't change it till years later. But, you know, we had to re- I had to rethink marketing. I had to rethink um, having a realistic uh, 
a realistic goal for for getting through these edits and delivering. You know, we were we were now sometimes six, seven, eight months, and it was just getting worse because we were still shooting, but I the, the backlog was just building, it was just growing. So that's when I realized we had to start bringing other people in and looking for editors because that was that was the logjam right there. And I didn't see a way out of it. I honestly thought we were going to go out. So, so talk to me through this because I, I, I sort of did the same thing in terms of, oh my <laughs> gosh, what am I going to do? <laughs> I can't handle all these edits. <laughs> and I was enjoying the edits, but it was still, um, you know, that, that, that sort of maddening process for, for me as a person who also just loves the business aspect of this. I love the sales, the marketing, all that kind of stuff, growing the business. Um, it was, it, it was, it was sort of draining at the same time that I, that I still loved that process of creating the films. Mm-hmm. It was very draining. And mm-hmm. so, um, I remember when I hired my first editor, <laughs> I remember how freeing that was. So, but talk to me through um, what that looked like for you to take on your first team member um, because you've grown into uh, a much bigger company now where you have quite a few team members. But talk to me through that process of hiring that first, uh, that first editor. That was a scary part too because I thought, who else could edit my films better than mm-hmm. I could? I was convinced... I would not be able to transfer that secret sauce to somebody else. And um, I really convinced myself of that. And it was uh, very difficult to imagine, but I got lucky. You know, uh, I started to, uh, to look around and talk to folks about uh, editing. And I realized that there were people who are bendable, coachable, mm-hmm. and there were people who were set yep. in their ways. And um, I'll just skip skip forward a little head uh, ahead a little bit because I think the biggest the biggest thing that happened with us the biggest growth I think the the, the thing that changed it all was I thought you know the best way to find the most talented editors is to maybe hold some kind of a contest so and over the years we haven't done any in a few years but over the years we did seven of these contests and it was a we called it the ultimate editor contest. So I, I put it out there that, you know, we were looking for editors. Uh, and if you wanted to audition, I had raw footage that I could send out to you. And at the time, it was mini DV tapes. So we'd put enough raw footage on one mini DV tape and then duplicate them. And anybody who wanted to audition, free of charge, I'd be happy to send a, a, D, a mini DV tape out to you and, you know, turn it into a three-minute film um, and we'll see how it goes. Well, our biggest contest was, I forget, we sent out almost a hundred, uh, we had a hundred requests wow. for, for, for raw footage. What and year was 60 this? 60 of them. Um, the biggest one was probably 2007 okay. or eight. <clears throat> there were, you know, the, the first one we did, the first couple we did were smaller, but the most impressive one was that one. And uh, and I think by that time, this is still, yeah, I was still sending out tapes. Um, we didn't go digital till the one after that. But, you know, 60 edits came back. 60 mini DV tapes came <laughs> wow. back. So I invited um, <clears throat> friends and uh, uh, family over to uh, sit in our great room and we watched every single uh, you know, a little beer and pizza That's helped, awesome. but we watched every single film and uh, ranked them, you know, top 10. And then we narrowed that down to top three. And the idea was I would extend editing jobs out to the, the, the top three people. And we ended up hiring, I think, two people, uh, two freelance uh, contracted uh, editors on that mm. one. And I tell you, that was, and then it became easier because now we had. You know, when it became, when it got to the point where I could put raw footage up uh, online and it could be downloaded, uh, we did a couple contests after that one, and boy, it became a lot easier. And then, um, but it became a lot of fun. Uh, you know, people would come back if they didn't win. It became like a 
like America's Got Talent yeah. kind of a thing. They'd come back and say, yeah, I didn't win your first one, but I'm going to try it again. And by that time, we had enough uh, footage, we had enough films up on our website that people could see our style. And by then it was, the direction was, you know, mimic our style. Yeah. Do exactly what we do. If you can create films that look like the ones that are on our website, yeah. you're hired. So that 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 is how the contest morphed. And we ended up getting some very talented editors over the years. Some stayed with us. One's still with us. You know, Matt's still with us since the beginning. But over the years, we've had editors come and go. And now with, of course, the internet, it doesn't matter where you are. Uh, we had an editor for a brief time in Switzerland. We had uh, one in Ireland who was, you know, some of my editors I've never and will probably never meet. Uh, we had one in Ireland for a while. Um, the The Ireland one was interesting because um, he had this uh, prerequisite that we would have to send a photo of the bridal party so he could look at the girls before Uh-oh. he would edit the film. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's not what you think. So I asked why, of course. And he said, well, because um, to honor my wife and God, I want to make sure I'm not editing with a lot of low cut wow. dresses. So, yeah, yeah. So we call it the cleavage yeah. check. And uh, whenever whenever we would uh, send uh, files to him, we would always make sure that um, the girls were all buttoned yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> but you know we have an editor in california we have one and the in editor in california said the opposite ones. thing <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> well and then we had uh, one editor who um, had been editing for me for um, quite a while and then we sent him uh, our first uh, the first one he ever saw we sent him a, a same-sex wedding to edit and it was just the opposite you know he said i i can't edit this it's not something i believe in so He's not with us yeah. anymore. So, uh, yeah, I mean, editors are a, um, are, are a funny bunch because you want that creativity, but sometimes with that comes personalities that you have to wrangle in a little bit sure. too. And, but for the most part, I think um, because of the way we've auditioned, because our uh, work is so visible and we're so transparent, I think that's why we get some people who just get us. Uh, we get editors who really know uh, what we're doing and 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 they, they kind of gravitate to us. Not to say that there isn't some hand-holding along the way, but most editors, once they've been editing for us after, you know, several jobs, they they yeah. nail it because, you know, we pay, we pay our outside editors on a budget. So, um, you know, if you take a week to edit the film, you're doing pretty well. If you take two months, you're going to starve. So they figure that out pretty quickly. Everybody wants to be as efficient as possible sure. and you know, have that creativity that our, that our clients, um, yeah. expect. What are you doing? Because you've got people from, uh, from California to Ireland. What are you doing to, um, to sort of oversee the project to make sure that, I mean, are they just right out of the gate? It's like they send it to you and it's like, yep, that's perfect. Exactly the way that I want it. Or you're making changes and they're going back and doing it. Do you have, what's your process look like for that? So the last couple of years, we've been using um, the software, the online uh, collaboration software called Frame.io, F-R-A-M-E dot I-O, uh, which allows me to do a complete review no matter where I am. You know, I'd rather be somewhere where I have great sound and a subwoofer so I can really do a proper um, audio pass. But all the reviews are now done on Frame.io. Editors, depending on what's in the package, whether it's the feature film and a coming soon trailer or, uh, you know, a bonus feature of the ceremony or a bonus feature of all the speeches, everything gets uploaded there. And then um, lately, though, I'm, I'm pretty much reviewing the feature films and coming soon trailers. Those are the ones that are going to get the most play and the ones that are more critical. So... Uh, I will outsource, though, to some of my folks here to QC the other stuff, like bonus features. Um, but that's our collaboration right now is on Frame.io. I, I go through a first pass. I make all my notes. Uh, editor sees them immediately. They can either respond to each note or just make the changes. Uh, you know, the, the disadvantage, of course, is sometimes 
most times I'm not looking at what they have to work with. I don't know what their raw right. footage is. So some of the comments you make, yeah, I'd like to see this or another angle of that. And then the editor will either respond back, we didn't have another angle or there was no sound there or whatever right. it is. I say, okay, that's fine. Uh, but uh, I'd say on average, on a first pass, if I average out all my editors, I may have as many as 10 or 15 comments on a, on a 15 minute mm -hmm. feature. Uh, more on on a longer film, like a thirty minute. But uh, then then they take those comments, upload V two, and usually by version two, that's ready to share with the client. Now sometimes, you know, we expect this, and sometimes clients have their own subjective changes, right? So editors know that, um, for example, if I'm looking at the the second pass. And there's maybe just a couple little things I want to tweak. I'll say, listen, these are the things I'm looking at. I may, but these are things that probably the client will not notice. So no need for version three. I'm going to share version two. And if the client loves it, has no comments at all, then we'll still make those little tweaks I want. But it is, there's, it's not necessary to make a version three now and then potentially have to make a version four because the client wants something. So we've kind of gotten into that mm. routine and usually by version three, that's what is mastered. That's what goes out to the client. And that's what's delivered. Awesome. Very cool. So you have um, you have editors that are working for you from a distance. You've also got a physical studio and a team who's working there. Talk to me through. Yeah, you want me to you want me to take you on a little Ooh, tour? Hold on. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, we can. Where, what room are you in now? I see a couch behind you and some speakers on a stand. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this is our, um, wow, this is going to work. This is our theater. Let me turn this oh, around. Oh, nice. So this. Um, With the popcorn uh, machine. The angle of this thing. Oh, yeah, popcorn. <laughs> um, this is a drop-down screen. So oh, this little okay. remote. So you got so a I window the there with screen. a drop-down screen. I'm going to try to narrate right, and back for, here, our, for our audio-only audience. Right. And back there is um, where clients sit, or Cheryl will come and join us. Uh, there's my hair light for today's interview. Nice. <laughs> uh, this is uh, where we sit. This is where the clients sit. And then they can relax uh, with, you know, those recline. It's kind of a, uh, kind uh, of a cool living room set up here for those who are listening. And then the screen comes down, and then that uh, house, house lights go down, and we project. Awesome. All right, let me give you a little walking tour here. So this is Taylor. She's our production manager. Hey, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> he says hi. <laughs> Cheryl's not in today. She'll be in shortly. So that's her desk. And they have a cool little fireplace over nice. here, which is neat, gas fireplace. And then this table here is where, um, you know, we have some uh, client meetings uh, who come in and our team meetings too. We're we're back to doing weekly meetings now, so that's where nice where we do that. Yeah, we have we have grown to <laughs> cherish our weekly meetings here with our team as well. It's wonderful, and then this is our lobby area. Awesome. So when folks come in through the front door, I wonder if I'll lose the internet connection here if I walk outside. This is a pretty big building. Is this whole, is this whole building uh, just y'all's? Can you share it with anybody else? Yeah, it's five. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a standalone. But I'll show you our cool sign. Nice. So we had a friend of ours make this sign. So this gets. Can you yeah, see that? Absolutely, it looks awesome. So I'm looking at oh, the outside great. of their nice. sign. It's They've all got lit the up. LED. So yeah, when you come, there's a lot of traffic on this road. This is West Conchahawk, and see all these buildings over there. Yeah. Um, but when you come down this road and you see it's pretty visible. Yeah, absolutely. This is a good reminder to our listeners that we are also posting this, um, this as an audio, as a, as a video onto our YouTube channel. Did I lose you? No, I'm still with you. Uh, but this is just a good reminder that you can definitely tune in to our YouTube channel. And if you want to see what Dave's uh, video is like, we're, we're somewhere at like, you know, 25 minutes into the video here. Um, if you're listening on audio and you just want to skip ahead to see what this studio looks like. So that's my messy office. And um, 
I have an editing bay set up in here with subwoofer and great speakers. So if I have to edit privately with, uh, with an editor, they can come in here. And back here is, of course, the star of the show. Is that Zeus? That's Zeus. Uh, what kind of dog is that? Say hi, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> He's an English shepherd. And behind the glass there in the fishbowl is Jessica. Hello, Jessica. <laughs> and this is the uh, mural. Here, let me open oh, the door. cool. This is our Center City um, City Hall mural that Jess painted. Yeah. That's and awesome. uh, when, when guests leave, before they leave, we usually stand them in front of this and take a little shot. Yes. It's, it's just a really popular place in, in the city for, uh, for photographs. Yeah. So we decided that would be a great mural. Restrooms are back there. I bet your mural is probably even more popular than the actual spot. Client assets. Uh, well, we, we get a lot of shots. And then say hi, everybody. I'm on a podcast. Hi, that's Tyler. That's Ben. That's Jamie. And Matt's not here today. But this is um, this is our in-house uh, editing suite. <clears throat> and then, of course, there's Jess again. Jess is moving to New York soon. She's going to be one of those remote editors very soon. Oh. And that back there is the gear room. Nice. How many square feet is so, this place? It's it, uh, 5,000. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm sorry. Wait, that was our last space. 2,500. I'm sorry. I, I, it's 2,500. So this is our safe. Yeah, we were in King of Prussia. It was 5,000 there. This is half, 2,500. Gotcha. So this is where we keep all the media. Yeah. A lot of hard drives. Cool. And he got like he's got like five safes here for those people who are listening on, on audio. Yeah, and that's you know that's mainly for fire and and yep. water. And of course, we have <clears throat> offsite copy of everything that hasn't been edited. Awesome. And and we so we have three copies of everything. And then once once things are edited, we can kind of archive and go back to just the archival copy. Is running your business taking away from the time that you have to make better wedding films? Do you feel disorganized? What happens when a hot lead goes cold after your first email response? Do you have a system in place to stay in contact with them? Do you find yourself asking, where was that bride's phone number again? And have they paid their invoice or not? Which package do they get and what are their deliverables? How organized are your financial records when it comes to tax time? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could afford forty dollars or $50,000 to pay someone to take care of all this extra stuff for you? I've got an idea. How about you sign up for 17 hats and pay just $300 a year to let their amazing online software take care of all of this for you. Before I got 17 hats, I was buried in a sea of unorganized emails, spreadsheets, bank statements, receipts, sticky notes, Google Docs, and more. I was letting hot leads go cold because I couldn't remember who to stay in contact with. I was spending weeks trying to get my tax records organized for my accountant. It was awful. And now I pay 17 hats, just $300 a year, and they do all of that for me. It's like having a full-time assistant working around the clock on your business, making sure that everything is organized, invoices are paid on time, and making you look like a real pro to your clients. And now, 17 Hats is giving you an amazing offer. When you use the link at the top of our website, weddingfilmacademy.org, you'll get 15% off the list price, and it's a great way for you to help keep us making great content each week for you. If you want to learn more about 17 Hats, go back in the archives and listen to the podcast that we did with them. We actually got to chat with the CEO and one of the VPs of 17 Hats for an hour. So definitely go back and listen to that podcast as well if you want to learn more. Thanks a ton. Let's get back to the show. So how much of this space did you build out yourself? Um, or was it? did you kind of move in and it was it was pretty close to the way that you wanted it? Or did you, you guys have to make a lot of changes? Oh, no, this is a carpet, uh, paint and carpet. That's all we did here. This was where we're sitting yeah. now, this theater, uh, my, my landlord, we have a five-year lease on this place. So my landlord, this was his um, boardroom. There was a big chandelier that, hang, that hung down here and um, a big conference room table, but we turned the, this into the theater and put the screen in front of the window. And it worked out great. 
Yeah, it's a little tight sometimes, but it's perfect for, and you know, the location is, is everything. I mean, we have, um, we actually have uh, two commercial clients in these high rise buildings that just picked us up recently. Uh, so we, there's a lot of visibility on the awesome. street here. There's, um, it's really easy to get to. Some of uh, our employees work in, or live in the city and uh, it's easy for clients from the city or the suburbs to get here. And it's just a, and we, you know, we have a river view. Hold on, I'll show you the river view. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. But all, all, the whole side of the city. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this whole side of the building, um, all, all, all these windows have the uh, river view. It's, pre it's prettier when the awesome. leaves come back. Very cool. Yeah. Thanks for the tour. <laughs> Very cool space. And so, how many people do you have? I counted uh, like six, seven people. Yeah, there's right between me, Cheryl, like and that. another uh, six. Yeah, there's anywhere between six and eight of us here any day, and then our, you know, our outside people. Right. Awesome. So, talk to me through this a little bit. You hired, you begin hiring editors. Um, and right now it looks like you have maybe four or five people in house. Or you, uh, have, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. In house editing. So, and then you've got maybe some some distance editors as well. Um, what about what was your next move after after hiring an editor and you sort of you you got this this backlog off of your plate? What was the the decision making process when you brought that next person on? Oh, as we hired more editors, it was all driven by our backlog. Is that what you're talking about? Well, I meant so. So, so you hired you hired editors, but after you after you moved on to hiring someone else who wasn't an editor, what was that process? Oh, for shooters. Like? Yeah, whoever else is there. Oh, I mean, you've got okay. shooters. Oh, so um, it looks like I maybe have other people who are doing yeah, admin so, kind of work. So we've got we've gotten um, to the point now yeah. where uh, the jobs are pretty well defined. There's a lot of overlap uh, with with everybody. But for example, Taylor. Uh, hmm. is our production manager. She is, and that's morphing again because um, she's really spending a lot more of her time on the corporate commercial uh, things. She builds uh, a lot of our proposals for me. She's the initial contact. She's really done this long enough. She's been with us oh, six years now. I forget. But she really has it down. And she keeps my life together. She keeps Cheryl's life together. She's really um, amazing. And so she, most of her job deals with pre-production. Uh, book, you know, our, right. our online uh, social media, our marketing, our uh, booking a lot of our clients, well, at least contacting and, 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 and booking some of our clients too. Cheryl and I and Taylor, between the three of us, we do most of the sales. Uh, but then she keeps it all together. She keeps it organized. She keeps proposals organized. She um, reminds me of things I promised clients, uh, which is important sometimes. And um, so the, the, the pre and production, she's more of the pre-production side. And then Jess is uh, more of the post-production side. So she's dealing primarily with keeping all the uh, editors organized and their jobs and their to-do lists up to date. So she's handling the, the, the backside of that. And um, I think between me and Cheryl and Jess and Taylor, and Ben is now moving into uh, Jess's role now. He's, he's going to be taking over a lot of her responsibilities because she's moving with um, her boyfriend up to New York. And she's going to stay on as an editor. She can't physically do the things that she could do here, but she has to move to New York. And uh, Ben's going to take over a lot of her post-production responsibilities. So that includes, and we use one of the tools, the main tool we use in the post side is Basecamp. So she um, hmm. and Ben will be uh, really just keeping my editors in line, up to date, giving them all the assets they need and uh, keep things on schedule for delivery. Awesome. So what is it that you say you do here, Dave? I don't do much anymore. <laughs> no, a lot, a, a, a lot, of, a, a lot of my day is, um, you know, if I'm not out, if I'm not visiting uh, clients or prospective clients, if I'm not out and about, um, a lot of what I'm doing here is reviewing films. So, um, yeah, I try to do it in the theater here as much as I can because we have the subwoofer, we have the big sound, and that allows me to do a proper sound pass and. 
but a lot of my time is spent just looking at the work and and, and coaching yeah. and training and um, and also I shoot so I still feel like I uh, I work eight days a week some some weeks and we're just now coming up into another yeah. busy season again so it's been a nice break this winter not have to be out shooting every single weekend but that's changing very quickly <laughs> yeah so so um on that vein talk to me about what uh what sort of numbers you guys are doing with as many people as you're keeping employed there um you got to be doing a lot of weddings yeah we'll do between um weddings and i'd say four out of five of the social jobs are are relatively high in weddings uh the rest are bar and bat mitzvahs we have a pretty good size uh, Jewish population in the Philadelphia area. So uh, those 40th birthday parties, 50th birthday parties, uh, all on the social side. And that's the interesting thing too. We've really been able to delineate between our social work and our uh, commercial corporate work. And then um, I think Taylor was going to, let me, let me just check. I asked her to give me some numbers. She was going to text me. Let's see what she said. So we did um, in 2017, 64 weddings and, and seven bar and bat mitzvahs and another dozen, another mm -hmm. dozen or so um, commercial pieces. And then so far in 18, we have 40 weddings booked and nine bar and bat mitzvahs. That's all booked. We have a lot of leads still out there. So we're on track to do Something even better like than we did uh, last year, which is yeah. the goal. So you did something like 85 projects last year, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's good. Uh, yeah. you know, we do have the flexibility in slower months or slower years even. And I'm around, it's a good track, but we, we do have that flexibility because of our external editors. You know, the goal is to keep everybody as busy as we can, but you know, when we're caught up, which we're pretty much caught up now in our backlog, we're pretty much there and we're ready for the next season. That's the goal every year is by this time of the year to be almost caught up. I don't want to ever get completely caught up because then nobody has anything to do. <laughs> I want to keep people busy, right. but we're, we're, we're just about there and, and, and ready for, yeah. uh, for this season. So this is, this is a question I think a lot of people have when they're talking about bringing on other people is the the overhead that comes with that. And, you know, you talked about in, in Philadelphia, there are, there's, you know, these defined seasons where not too many people are getting married, you know, when there's, when there's a ton of snow on the ground or whatever the case is. So what does that look like for you and your team specifically to, to really help them stay afloat in those slower months? Is it just because you're, they're working on backlog? Um, have you come up with, uh, with more creative pay structures or are people on salary? What is all yeah, that? Well, like? our, uh, you know, we W2 all of our employees, the, you know, most of the in-house people and W9 are subcontractors. And, um, the only advice mm -hmm. I would give is because we actually went through a, um, we went through a labor audit several years ago. So, the advice I would give is know the difference, know what a subcontractor is, yeah. know what an employee is, and know a buddy right. of mine in this business uh, took a big hit. He, he had an audit and he ended up owing like $40,000 in taxes. It was ridiculous. Uh, we, wow. our, our audit was great. Um, you know, we had them clearly defined. So when the auditor came in and met us at our accountant's office and Cheryl brought in, you know, her files, and all of the employees had their file, and then all our subcontractors had, subcontractors had their file with their own business cards. It's, they clearly ran their own business. They did their own thing, and they were they were given budgets uh, for edits, for example. Uh, so clearly define that and 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 know that because you don't want to get in trouble and call people um, subcontractors when they in, in fact are legally defined as employees. So, yeah. Yeah. We just went through this process ourselves of, of changing all that because, um, you know, we, as, as we grew really quickly, it became clear that 
some of my people were no longer subcontractors mm-hmm. as defined by the law. And so we had to mm-hmm. change all that recently. So um, for anybody who's sort of wondering about that, do you want to say something briefly about the difference in those two well, things? Well, I would, I would, um, yeah, I don't want to give that, I don't want to give that advice. I would say have a good obviously approach and, and make sure you understand it. Yeah. But generally the idea is a subcontractor is somebody who you hire to do a specific job. You're not over their shoulder. You're not giving them direction. They're not, you know, they're not required to be in your studio. They're not using your stuff. You know, it's, there's a, a lot of things that, uh, Go along with defining versus and uh, versus an employee. You know, our employees are here every day. They they have to come in by a certain time, um, uh, and they don't run their own business. You know, that that that's that's a good start. If your if your subcontractor does his own thing for other people, uh, that's a really good start. But I, I I do not want to give that kind of advice. So I would just say get a good accountant yeah. and make sure you're doing things right. Yeah, but anyway, to finish Absolutely. that story. Yeah, but I think that's a I think that's a good starting point for people to to understand a little bit of the difference, and then go from there. To if you feel questionable at all, go talk to the accountant because um, you know you don't want to find yourself in a situation like your buddy where you owe the IRS. A yeah, whole and lot th- of money things change a little every year taxes. with you know how those things are defined. The way I understand it, but anyway, to finish that story. So in our audit, the um, auditor looked at her files and and said, "Wow." This is great. Like the whole audit was about three minutes long. It didn't last long at all. And he said, "You guys are all, you guys are all good." <laughs> now, I, I was fined. I think about a uh, two hundred fifty dollars. I think it was uh, because I wasn't paying Cheryl enough. My wife, her salary was too low. So I guess they have to do something. They have to they have to make their money uh, somehow. The auditors. So we went away with a little slap on the wrist because Cheryl wasn't making enough money. So I had to pay her more her salary. <laughs> Which is kind of silly. <laughs> you cheap piece of crap. Not paying I know. Your wife you believe enough. that? <laughs> Good grief. You think there'd be a little bit of respect between I, the two of you? She was happy. Oh, she well. wasn't complaining. It's, <laughs> uh, you're moving numbers around. It's, um, you know, let's face it. It's our, it's our company. It, um, even though it has grown, it's still a mom yep. and pop kind of a boutique feel here. You know, when our clients come in, they all get to meet Cheryl. They get to meet me. They usually get to meet uh, one of our staff, especially if somebody here who's going to be on their job, I want to make sure they have a face uh, and somebody familiar because I'm not on every, you know, obviously I'm not on, on every job. So it's it's nice to put a name and a face and our clients to come in and, and, and meet us and see how the operation works. And we'll walk them through the whole process. And it's great. So I think that's one of the things that um, there was a discussion online the other day about, you know, who should have a studio and who works at home and uh, what the advantages and disadvantages are. I will tell you, it is very expensive. It's very expensive to have an outside studio. So unless that, unless that business is there, unless you can really confidently know that um, you're going to be able to cover your nut and, and make some money, um, then it's worth it. But I've heard too many stories where people go out and they rent space and it's just not worth it for them. So, um, you know, some, some days, there are some days, some Augusts, August is always one of those weird months where we get to August and it's like, Oh man, what's going on? It's a little slow. You know, um, we're getting a little nervous. Are we going to be out of business this year? We always have those. I always want to put on August 1st, a big giant notice on the calendars that just says, don't panic. Because it seems like yeah. every year we get to August and it's just the way it works out. We, we get a little nervous. Um, but I, I, I think yeah. um, to have an outside studio, depending on you know what, what that monthly nut is, there's a lot of things to consider, right? Uh, the rent is just the beginning. So uh, it, it's a lot to take in. And some days, some Augusts, we kind of wish we were back at the house. <laughs> yeah. But then... You know, the rest of the year makes up for it. We just have to keep reminding ourselves. But yeah, yeah January, February, March is usually pretty slow as far as social, as far as the wedding season. We were fortunate this year that a lot of our commercial work came in in January, February, March. So it really balanced out nicely. We have a lot of diversity there. Yeah, awesome. Dave, what would you say to somebody who is at this place of 
realizing that they would like to grow beyond themselves, realizing that um, maybe I think people people realize this in different ways, whether it's they come to a conclusion of, oh my gosh, my backlog is so crazy, or whether it's uh, realizing their own finiteness as a human that, you know, oh, if I have some sort of serious injury and can't do this um, in terms of like being out there shooting, I need some sort of a backup plan, whatever the case is, um, you know, maybe it's that, hey, I would like to retire someday and what I'm doing right now might not be sustainable long term to, to be in a position to to retire at a, at a decent age. Um, what would you say to somebody who is in that place of starting to ask these questions of how I can grow a production studio beyond myself, beyond myself and my, my partner. Um, and, and they're sort of interested in taking that next step. Give some advice to that person. Well, yeah, you know, we've done it the wrong way and we've done it the right way over and over again. So we're always learning, but, um, you really have to trust the folks who are working with you and working for you. And, and, and if they have, if they have even a fraction of the fashion of the passion that you have as the business owner, in other words, if you're comfortable with that person uh, speaking to somebody else about, about your business, um, that's important. I think it's important to give them, um, give smart people, that uh, freedom to do that. So for example, leads leads on a job. We don't really call anybody a lead. I mean, everybody kind of knows who the lead is. So if I have uh, a crew of three out there and one of them is one of our internal people, they just really assume the role of lead. And all that really means is that that person that person's the most responsible for you know making sure everything's done right. So audio is done right. Even though they, they may not be doing the audio, they still have to check it because in the end, they're responsible for it. So having people you can trust, uh, having people who your clients like being personable. I think a big part of this business, we're all kind of in this geeky, nerdy business of video production. And, um, you know, when, when we're hiring, some of the things I consider is how this person gets along with other people. Can he have a, a decent conversation? Yeah. You know, just, just because you, you have mad skills behind a camera, doesn't mean I want you out on a job. Um, because, uh, that can hurt you. Right. Uh, I, 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 um, I don't know. I, I just feel like the more people, the, my favorite thing to do is, and, and, and this is if you want some advice. So if you're thinking of expanding and you want people to get what you do, have them come out with you and shadow you. So I, I do this quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll, I'll bring a shadow with me. And I'll usually do this when we have like multiple jobs in the city. So we have two jobs in Center City, Philadelphia, and they're a block away from each other. You know, one's at the Bellevue, one's at the Ritz, and they're almost next door. I'll... I'll, I'll remove myself as a lead from either of these jobs. So I'll fully staff these two jobs and then bring somebody who's training along with me and I'll visit both jobs. So they get to see the audio setup and how we talk to clients on one. They get to see the, you know, the lights, how they're set up and how we uh, pick camera angles and how we wrangle on job number two. And the idea is when somebody's traveling with you, you want to give them as most the most exposure to a job um, because sometimes, you know, in the beginning I would shadow and just give that person a job. And then I was also working focused on the job, but I'd give them something to do. And I couldn't really focus on what they were absorbing or what they were doing. So I found um, the best way to do that, the best way to uh, get people up to speed with what you do is to have them shadow you, but also give yourself the, the freedom to let your crew do what, ha- you know, all the things that have to be done during the day. And so you can focus on that person and focus on the clients. So when they see how I, how I talk to clients, how I talk to the planner, how we get a feed from the band, you know, these are all personal skills that I think uh, several people who get into this business don't realize how important that is, right? Because the last thing you want to do mm. is piss off the wedding planner or piss off the band or piss off the caterer because they'll remember that. 
And that may hurt you in the long run. It may hurt me. So I don't want anybody else out there representing us who can't, um, who can't have a proper conversation and, and deal with people, especially at the income level. You know, I'm not rich. Most of the people in this uh, industry are not rich, but we're, you know, we're dealing with a lot of rich people <laughs> and a lot of different personalities and knowing, knowing how to talk to those folks and um, show them the respect they deserve uh, because of their station in life. And it goes a lot further than any technical skills, I think, because you, you know, you want, yeah. let's face it, 80% of our, our business is by referral, right? And yep. um, you just want people to understand that, uh, you, you know, you're sharp, you're sharp and you're not, you're not going to embarrass them. Yeah. You're not going to do something. You're not going to embarrass yourself. I mean, even down to dress code, uh, I, I think on high-end social events, I, I'm okay with people wearing all blacks. That's fine. But the more and more I do jobs, I try to get away from blacks. I wear, you know, I'll wear a suit, a matching suit if it's a black tie event. Uh, I don't wear a tux. But our basic rule is now try to get, try to dress like the guests as much as you can because right. they're more, you, you don't look like a waiter and you're not being asked for a glass of water. Um, and you, you blend in if you end up in the background, either of the photographer's shots or even one of our own shots. And sometimes, sometimes dressing in all blacks uh, was, uh, we had a party we did where all the guests were required to come in white, all white. <laughs> so that was a job I made sure that we didn't wear blacks because you would definitely stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah. So from how you handle yourself, how you talk to people, especially high-end clients, um, and if somebody's particularly skilled and maybe not the best at dealing with people, they'll have a job that day that doesn't require them to deal with people. Maybe their job that day will primarily be, um, you know, the audio engineer, right? And make sure all the, all the gazintas are plugged in and, and know how to handle that. But, uh, I, again, I, I can't stress enough how important personality and being able to, uh, talk to clients and, um, and, and blend in and be fun and respect respect the day no awkward people allowed yeah and we've had them over Good the plan. years we've had some awkward i had one kid show up he <laughs> wanted a job and i said well you can shadow with me and look at our website see what we do and i thought he was kind of briefed i didn't brief him enough he showed up in some metal t-shirt um you know ripped blue jeans and sneakers and this, i was still at the house at the time and he showed up at our front door i said you did bring a change of clothes right <laughs> so i guess he thought he was going to be yeah. some MTV music video grip, and it doesn't matter what you wear, but yeah. it's a whole different culture in this environment. And yep. uh, so I had to send him home. He met us on the job later after he after he dressed up. Yeah, uh, good plan, good plan. Well, Dave, this has been super informative. I know that our guests will have a lot to to think about and reflect on this uh, with their own businesses and thinking about. You know, when when it's the right time to from from the beginning of the story, when it, of when it's the right time to move full time to when it might make sense to bring on another team member. And that's one of the things that that you and I have got to enjoy so much in our careers is is that collaboration and the the extra things that we're able to do because we're not out here on an island, but we have other creative people who are taking things further than we could mm -hmm. on our own um, and and giving us in a lot of ways uh, so much more uh, community and joy out of our work and so uh, yeah just just thanks for coming on thanks for being um, an inspiration to us thanks for what you do online and the way that you help other people um, and, and all the good laughs that you give as well. Always appreciate uh, seeing what you're up to. So thanks again for coming on, man. This has well, been thank fantastic. thank you, Jordan. I've been watching your stuff and you guys are just killing it. So I'm just so happy that, um, you know, you're out there and people can see that it can, it can be done right because there's so much negativity out there, even in the groups you and I are involved in about how the, you know, every year it's another chicken little story. Sure. The sky's falling. There's so many videographers. There's so many photographers. And, you know, you, you, you'll you find your place. Yep. You'll find your place in the business. Maybe it is harder 
these days than 16 years ago to kind of differentiate yourself. But I see people do it all the time, you know, and it's yeah. a lot of it goes back to the basics and good storytelling and good, uh, good relationships with your clients. And uh, you're, you guys are obviously killing it. So you have, right, you have your luxury side and you have the, the volume side, right? They're two different brands. Yeah, we're in the middle of launching a, a specifically corporate brand right now as well. So we're kind of putting our hats into into a bunch of places and trying to see where, see, who knows? I mean, you know, in, in five years, I just have absolutely no clue where we will be. But that's part of what makes things exciting for me is I just love, I love starting new things and trying new things and that's when I feel like I'm really hitting, uh, hitting the bullseye on, on my unique design. And so I just, I can't get enough of that kind of stuff. And so I will probably perpetually be starting something new. Uh, but the new thing right now is our corporate brand, which we're just pumped about. We actually have a big sales meeting later today with another, um, actually a, a, a wedding vendor client. Um, of ours and so we're we're pretty pumped about that one too but yeah we we actually i would i would tell you to go look at our website but we have we're working on our second client here and we actually don't (sighs) have a website up yet because it's it's so much of like what you said it is it's about relationship and you know regardless of the fact that this brand doesn't really even exist yet we've got um, our second client that we're working on um, that will just between just between these the one that we just um, we're we're pretty close to signing a mm-hmm. contract with now, and this one will represent six figures between just these two clients, and we only have a website up, and so that's just to say like how um, how important those relationships are. It's it's everything in this business. So, yeah, it's interesting that it, yeah, well, yeah. we start, well, years ago when we started getting more um, corporate work, we had two brands, and we had Media Wave Video Productions and the um, videography, and then it became Cinema Cake. So we had our social brand, and we had two websites, two business cards, two phone numbers, because I always, I was always under the, uh, I always believed that it was like uh, Ghostbusters, right? Don't let the streams cross, and. It was just the opposite. We started finding out that a lot of our commercial work was coming from past uh, wedding clients. We had one in, in our old studio in King of Prussia. That was the 5,000-foot square space where we had a lot of big shooting space and high ceilings. We didn't really need that. But I remember in, in that office, one of, um, one of our uh, Jewish moms, we had shot two of her daughter's weddings and she was in after the second one sitting across the desk from Cheryl and she's sitting there in the studio there's gear all over the place there's a psych wall you know it couldn't be more obvious that we do more than weddings but she really said to Cheryl she said by the way my my husband has a a, a law practice and they need some sort of a video for their practice do you guys know anybody who does that <laughs> so I'm like yeah. what so we realized, you know, maybe the two brands, because Cinema Cake was much more, by that time, was much more recognized. And I said, what's the, what's the harm sure. in, you know, bringing in the, the corporate side and keeping it all under one, you know, one business card, one website, one phone number? And that was the greatest thing we ever did because then we started realizing that people are smart. They can separate. They know we do both. They can figure it out. And um, let's face it, a lot of our, you know, Moms are CEOs of a company or dads on the board of a, of a nonprofit organization that needs a, a video to make people cry and deep, dig deep in their pockets. So we thought, man, we got to mind that. And it just made life so much easier when we just came under one brand. I'm not talking you out of it, but I'm just saying that was one of those aha moments, you know, and then we just moved everything cinema yeah. cake now. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense for for you guys. We're trying to do we're we're this new company is going to do quite a bit more than just photo and video. Uh-huh. Um, which is a big part of the reason why we feel like we have to do something uh, something different. Is, so, so it's going to be an a- more so about be an agency. overall. It's pretty much going to be okay. a branding agency um in addition to um to building to, to building 
platforms that push people to to people's website, you know, uh, YouTube channels being the main venue there. Yeah, so you've had a little experience you know, with that so, now. So that's <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so that's definitely definitely part of the pitch All for right, sure. Jordan. Well, I'll be watching carefully. Awesome. Hey, Dave, if people want to find out a little bit more about what you guys are up to, if they want to reach out to you, um, what's the what's the best channels well, there for them? I, anybody can email me. Uh, it's Dave, D-A-V-E, at Cinema Cake. That's cinema, like the movies, cake, like the dessert, dot com. And our website is chock full of uh, info. Cinema Cake is the name on Facebook. It's the name on Twitter. It's our name on Instagram as well. So, yeah, reach out. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thanks again, Dave. Thank it's been you, fantastic. Jordan. That was a pleasure. The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic. <laughs>